Coming to you from the Big Island of Hawaii, it's the Songs and Stories Podcast. And now, here's your host, Steve Roby. Tell me about the upcoming solo show at the Honoka'a People's Theater. What can folks look forward to? Yeah, so I'm looking forward to coming back. This is going to be a different show from last time. It's not my Hendrix tribute show. It is my solo show, so it's much more of an intimate show, and there's a lot of variety in the music. I'm doing some of my own compositions and a variety of songs from different composers, and it all comes down to what I'm feeling at the time, so... Mm -hmm. There may be there may be some other Hendrix things. I'm getting a lot of requests for that. If I did Hendrix stuff, it would be different because I would be myself playing Hendrix, mm -hmm. playing his music. Whereas in the Hendrix tribute show, I'm actually approaching it as an actor, and so I'm actually portraying the role of Jimi Hendrix. If I did his music in this show, it wouldn't be that. Right. Um, I would just be me playing his songs. And also um, stuff by Mozart that I do. I've got really? stuff by Duke Ellington. Oh. And there's a Katy Perry song that I often do, Sting. You know, just a big variety of, of things. Um, but I try to weave it all together. You know, all these different styles. The way that I think of it, it's not like music is divided up into these different cubby holes. The way I think of it is that music is music. It's one, it's, I think of it as like a, like a big space and different styles are like different windows mm. into that room. So depending on what window you look in, you're going to see a different view. You're going to see certain things more prominently but you're still looking into the same room. So a, sort of a more, a less sort of abstract way of explaining that would be, let's say um, there's, a, there's a thing that often happens in Mozart, a certain kind of melodic resolution that when I hear it, it sounds like blues to me. Hmm. So that's like, it's like, to me, it's like, it's like a wormhole. It's like that moment right there is a connection between classical and blues. Mm. And so I can I can go through that door and I can combine the classical and the blues, but only because Mozart gives me that. It's not something that I would just randomly do. So I look for places where the connection is really easy and then I can move in and out between the different styles and weave it together in what I hope people will hear as an integrated um, tapestry. Sounds wonderful to me. <laughs> and the way you described it is almost Jimmy-like, uh, the way he enjoyed classical music and uh, found kind of some blues essence in it. Uh, I, I was enjoying listening to you to explain that. Very good. <laughs> um, so will, will you just be playing guitar? I, I've seen some things online where you're playing both guitar and piano, or is it just guitar? Yeah, I'm going to be also playing piano. Oh, nice. Um, my my first choice is, a, is an acoustic grand piano, but um, if there's an electronic keyboard available and it's got a nice piano sound, mm. then I'll use that. 
But either way, piano was my first instrument. Mm -hmm. And even though I'm primarily a guitarist, I do find that there are some things that I can only do on the guitar, on on, on the piano. Um, the, the piano did influence my guitar technique because even though I started out playing conventional guitar, I developed the touch technique, um, not from hearing other people because I didn't know anyone else who was using that approach, but I figured it out on my own because I was trying to bring a pianistic approach to the guitar because of my piano influence. So clearly that's comes through in my guitar playing, but still, even with that, there are some things that I can only do on the piano. So I've learned that I, I have to still go back yeah. to an actual piano for some of those things. And the reason that I play the guitar and the piano at the same time is because the two instruments together gives me a wider range of tonal colors. It's like a bigger palette. Hmm. It's like when you went from the, you know, Crayola 8 to the Crayola 64 <laughs> or whatever, you know, it's yeah. like just way more colors. And so the, the, the it gives me a, another dimension or, or maybe a better analogy is the first time, like in the theater, when you put on the 3D glasses, mm, and mm. all of a sudden that other dimension jumps out at you, yeah. like instantly, you know, it's it's like that. So I'm not just dealing with harmony and melody, but I'm also dealing with orchestration as a, I don't know, not not just an organizing principle. That's so academic. It's just there's a there's a there's a color to it. There's a feeling to it. Um. I understand you know, what you're saying. I know. Yeah. I, I mean, for me, the, your um, crayon analogy was like, you know, the teacher gives you eight crayons, and then all of a sudden you get a box of 100, and there's Periwinkle. <laughs> you just go, whoa, <laughs> that exists? Oh, man. Uh -huh. So I understand, yeah. I understand uh -huh. with this uh, solo show that you also interact uh, with the audience. Uh, I guess you take requests. Uh, how does that work? Well, I don't usually ask for requests, but I have done that. But but what I often do is um, I often do a, a meet and greet. I mean, not a meet and greet, but a uh, question and answer at the hmm. end. Hmm. And, and and I'm probably going to do it for this one. You know, I, we haven't really talked about it on the, like, organizing side yet. So it's not 100% confirmed, but I don't see why not. I mean, I tell you, when... When this started, the, the reason why I started doing this is because traditionally I was doing a um, meet and greet afterwards. And because of COVID, yeah. I didn't really want to do the meet and greet and sure. go and shake hands and stuff. So what I started doing instead was playing a whole full show and then staying a little extra just to answer questions from the audience. Oh. And it went so well. Wow. It, it was really great because I got a chance to get to know the people and find out what they were thinking. And they got a chance to ask me some things. Um, it's always better after the show because they have a better idea of you yeah. Know, yeah. what it is that we're talking about. And often I would find that the conversation would go in so many interesting directions. And I find I found out that my audience was really um, diverse in their interests and really open-minded. 
And so I kind of felt like I, you know, I really like these people yeah, who are coming to yeah. my concert, you know. <laughs> I have a lot in common with my audience. I mean, it's, it should be, you know, but to really experience that in conversation was was really great. That sounds like a lot of fun. So I think I think we're going to do that. Yeah. We're going to have it short, you know. What, what do you like about playing in Hawaii? Well, one thing is there's something about the spirit, and I, I haven't really tried to articulate it yet so it's interesting that you're asking me this because i i don't know if i quite have the words for it but there's something about like people in hawaii are immersed in nature in a on a level that is almost unprecedented i mean i mean i know it's different you know forests and different kinds of land are all different but there's something special about hawaii in particular like imagine this okay so you've got the the pacific ocean which is the biggest ocean in the world and then you've got right in the middle of that ocean the tallest mountain in the world i mean i don't know if Everybody knows that because they think of Mount Everest right. as being the tallest. But that mountain, I forget the name of it, but it's Monica. taller than Everest. Yes, taller than Everest. It's the largest mountain in the world. And 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 so it's like, I think of it like, imagine like your dish, like for the dish TV, you know. Mm -hmm. And then that there's that thing right in the middle that collects the energy into that one point. Like the receptor, and, yeah. Right, right. And so it's almost like like Hawaii is like the dish <laughs> of the world's, of the Earth's antenna, you know? <laughs> I get it. <laughs> and, and, and so there's something about the energy. It's like, you, it's like you're getting the direct transmission of a cosmic beam. I mean, I know it sounds crazy, but I feel I'm really tuned into energy, uh -huh. and I don't know how to explain it in a way that's not... Woo woo. I mean, yeah. there's a science behind it too. I mean, I, I think that there's probably a reason why it's right in the middle of the ocean. There's probably some physical reason for it, but I just know that there's a feeling that I get when I'm there and the energy, like I tune in on energy when I make my music. And so I love what I play when I'm in Hawaii. I love the, the, the way that it inspires me. And I really feel like that zone where I like to go, the, the, with the audiences there, I'm surrounded by people who understand that same zone. Mm. Absolutely, yeah. You really have to kind of experience being here to understand, you know, to truly appreciate what you're saying. I mean, it, it, some people think of it as just Waikiki, but it's a lot more than that. <laughs> yeah. You know, I did have a, an early experience because um, when... I grew up in California, in the Bay Area. Um, my grandmother, who was living in Chicago, she was on her way to go on a vacation in, in Hawaii. And she, she stopped and visited us in California, stayed with us for a little while. And then she um, went on to Hawaii. And I just, out of the blue, I said, well, can I go? <laughs> you know, and they said, um, okay. <laughs> so I went on this wonderful vacation with my grandmother, just the two of us. Nice. And she was relaxing. We were at um, in Honolulu at a hotel um, at Waikiki Beach. And 
she was relaxing in the hotel and I learned her body surf on the waves, you yeah. know, out there. Yeah. And it was just a really wonderful time. And it was the first time I'd ever really traveled away sort of on my own, away from my family and just that sense of autonomy and that feeling of being close to nature and being immersed in the ocean. I got it, you know, from that, from that age. And so I always kind of felt like because I went there at a pretty early age, it was an imprint. Mm. And so there's always been a sense of a homecoming when I, when I go back there. Nice. Nice. Um, just, uh, just throw this out there. I was born and raised in San Francisco too. Oh, okay. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> I miss it. I miss it. Okay. Let's see. So you, ha you have a new album out, right? I have a new album. It's not out quite yet. Oh, okay. We're still working out the release date, but it's called Feather in the Wind. And I am playing music from the album, two of the songs. And I guess this, uh, speaks to the diversity of the music I was talking about. Um, I'm doing, um, Meditation from Thais by Jules Massenet. And I'm also doing um, Steve Goodman's um, City of New Orleans. Mm. So two, you know, completely different songs, but it fits, they, they really fit well on the album. You know, I, I usually have like one of two main approaches when I record an album. Either I have a concept, a sort of a musical concept um, and, and so all the songs are musically similar because I'm exploring a certain area of the sort of museverse, you know? Um, so that's one approach or the other approach is that I'll have a unifying concept that's more of an extra musical idea. So it's something from outside the music, but then the music expresses that idea. So maybe then the the songs are going to have more variety because I'm going to explore a lot of different aspects of this idea. And that's this album. It's called Feather in the Wind. And what it's about is the, the things that we do to find a sense of constancy in the in, in the face of change and, and a sense of comfort in the face of loss. Hmm. And um, it's interesting too, because when I was making the album, I experienced that a lot. And that's how that became the theme of the album. And there were some delays. At one point I thought that the album wasn't even going to get released. And now that, that I finally worked through all that and the album's coming out, now here we are a few years later and the whole world is kind of going through that, you know, like with COVID and everything. So I really kind of feel like now is the time for this album. I think that it was delayed for a reason, but I feel like this is is the world that this album was meant to come out in. When will it be released? I don't have an exact oh, date. Okay. I'm still working that, those details out, okay. but I know for sure it's going to be this year. Oh, okay. Something to and look we're forward to. Trying to get it out. Yeah, we're trying to do it within the next couple of months. Oh, good. And just yeah. getting some some finishing touches and some plans, and you know, there's it's a different world now, and um, you know, normally it takes you know several months to to do all the marketing in the conventional mm -hmm. way, but it's mm -hmm. just 
I just don't want to wait that long. I just feel like I really want to get this out and, and share it with people as soon as I can. Nice. So by Christmas, let's say. <laughs> yes. yes. Okay. Hey, uh, last question for you. I understand you're working on some long-term projects. In another interview, I heard you mentioned uh, it has to do with also like classical music. Is that right? Oh, well, I think what you're referring to is there is this one project and it's one of, of of many i hope but i'm working on a concerto for electric guitar and orchestra that's it and it's definitely very much inspired by my favorite composition bela bartok's concerto for orchestra and it is um kind of a culmination of pretty much everything that I've done up to this point, because the orchestra, the sound of the orchestra is just unparalleled. There's, there's, there's nothing like it. And, you know, it's unfortunate these days that not enough people get a chance to experience that. And, you know, I had a wonderful experience. My first experience of attending a symphony orchestra was at a pretty young age and it was an imprint that I'll never forget. And so I want to, I want to share that. And, and it's, it's one thing to be in front of the orchestra, like facing it and hearing the sound coming at you, but to be in the middle of it and hearing the sound all around you and, and still coming from a creative standpoint, uh, there's going to be a, a, a lot of it written out note for note, but there's a lot of room for improvisation too. So it's, a jazz approach on a lot of levels, but it's not strictly pure jazz. Definitely not pure pure jazz. The genre is actually going to be more like what they call contemporary classical. Hmm, that sounds really interesting. I can't wait for that. Oh, thanks. I'm glad you're interested in it. I, I hope you like it. I'm really excited about it. Yeah. Thank right, you, thank Stanley. You. Bye now. All right. Thanks, Steve. Thanks for listening to the Songs and Stories podcast. Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. We'll see you next week on Songs and Stories. Aloha. Aloha.